0: Sully and I, we, um, we got accepted into this um, like entrepreneur in residency program, and the idea of the program is to review various aspects of your business so that you can improve your business. So you get 12 sessions where you can meet with someone. We specifically meet with Tom, and he goes over things that we need to do to improve the business. So for us, our main focus is getting a business plan going, um, getting a financial forecast so that we can expand our gym space on our property because we would like to change our car garage, which has a carport beside it, into a two-car garage. So enclosing it and placing a second level on top. So that's kind of... We're asking for assistance to do that, but also just to run our business more successfully. Um, we started um, the meeting um, talking about financial... Well, why
1: are we deciding to do that instead of renting out a lease um, or a leasing a space?
0: Well, I think we're doing it... Well, from talking to several people, um, it... It's multiple things. Um, you're cutting out the cost of commercial space. Commercial space is not cheap. So if you're paying a mortgage and you're paying commercial space, um, that's a, a lot of financing. Um, but also um, running it out of our house. Um, we That's just how we would like to approach it. We want very much the community feel um, with our business, and we want to create that community feel so that's part of why we're going with that approach um and to keep the cost down a bit um do you, do you have any comments about why we're doing that
1: <laughs> uh well, we're adding value to the home
0: yes yeah um it's an investment into the home as well upgrading it um we've got about 0.8 of an acre But our house is only 1,300 square feet.
1: And it's potentially um, less confusion in terms of getting the financing if you're going to do basically like a second mortgage on your home, I guess.
0: Yeah,
1: because it's you know, you're you already have a mortgage, you're already doing this uh, residential um, financing with the bank. um, And so basically, you're just doing that again. And so I guess that's less complex than suddenly entering into a a more business oriented agreement with a, uh, a company that's leasing a space and all the stuff that's tied with that.
0: Um, so we started the the meeting reviewing financial forecasting. Um, I never took accounting. I know nothing about accounting. Um, Sully did a little bit of accounting in high school. So some of the terminology on the papers means diddly to me. Um, so I really needed clarification. And I'm very like detailed and want to really understand what I'm doing when I'm doing it. So I'm a little bit slow in the process of getting all the financial forecasting done, but at least I understand why we're doing it and where money's coming from. It just makes me feel more comfortable as we take this jump. Um, one of the things we learned is how important it is to constantly be updating the financial forecast. So it's not like we do it and we're done on a regular basis. We need to updo it, update it with our, our current financial, um, situations because in the fitness industry, you have months that are high and you have months that are low. Like, Um, People come and go because of summer vacation. People come and go because of Christmas holidays. So you see those fluctuations and it's going to affect your bottom line. So you need to take that into consideration. It's not always constant. People go away on vacation. um, And then you've got the clients who are just short-time clients who come for a couple of months. And that's all they meant to come for. And then you've got the lifers who will be with you forever. So um, you have to take all of that into account. And um, part of the discussion came up because we just had a really quiet week to week and a half, if not two weeks. And that w- was coming up in the discussion because that was not what we had forecasted. So we need to now, we're nearing the end of February, we need to go back and relook at the numbers because it's going to change the projections for the year when you have to pull back some of those numbers. So that was one of the things that we discussed. Um, so, one, uh, so going along with the fact that we had a um, really quiet two weeks, um, this was a big learning curve um, for me. Uh when it when it comes down to people canceling, I have always tried to be super understanding and flexible towards other people's lives like if you're sick or if the weather's bad, um I really try to take into consideration and I really I try to be nice and um for the first time, I was I, I was mad at myself because I think I dug my own personal hole with "I have been nice for too long," and I literally saw a huge decrease because everyone decided to cancel in the same week. And some of the reasons were reasonable. We had a dump of snow about a foot and a half. Now, depending on where you're from, that's not a big deal. Like we're from Ontario, you go out, you shovel your driveway, you have your snow tires on, it's not a big deal. But on Vancouver Island, that is a big deal for a lot of people, especially if they grew up here, they're just not used to driving in snow and they don't feel safe. So we have to respect that. Um, But I had, it was a Sunday, so I work half a day on Sunday and my entire day was canceled. Um, And that was after a full week of cancellations. Um, So I can understand that, but when you're messaging me 10 minutes before class because you need to pack your husband's suitcase, that's not a good enough reason to cancel 10 minutes before your appointment. Um, and that's that's where I need to, as a business owner, put on my big girl pants and uh, say no to people. And no, you you have to pay for my time because I program for that. And it's it's not just about me. I have staff, and I need to respect my staff. And if they put in the time for programming, then they need to be compensated. And I. Just because I want to be nice to someone isn't reason for my staff to suffer.
1: Well, it's not that it wasn't a good enough reason. It's just that it it needed to come with the provision of paying for the session anyway. Yeah. I'm sure they were evaluating the the um, cost versus benefit of do I let him pack it himself and then miss his flight or ferry or whatever and then pay the extra cost associated with that.
0: This also was associated to the fact that um, we, we sell 10 packs for classes. So 10 classes, um, and on average, if a person is only coming once a week, they should use a 10-pass a within about a two-and-a-half-month period. A lot of our clients come two to three times a week, so they blow through that 10-pass. 25 month. That's, that's a long time. If, that's if you're I would coming, say
1: one and a half month.
0: Okay. Well, like if you're no. coming twice,
1: if you're coming twice a week, that's, this, that's eight in a month.
0: Yes. But this person's coming once, once a week. Okay. So, so that's two and a half in a month. And, and
1: again, those are the, are the ones who, uh, you can't really include in your bottom line all no,
0: that much. But they, um, they come once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were consistent in their attendance, they should use it roughly in about two and a half months. Um, this person has had this package since June of 2017. It is now February of 2018. So again, that comes on me as a business owner because I've let them get away with canceling at the last minute too many times and not charging them where I need to take responsibility and be like, no, um, you're going to have to forfeit this class because in the long run, that money's gone. It's been used to pay staff and buy equipment and whatnot. So why am I still having this person who cancels all the time at a last minute eating up space where other people could be in the class who are actually paying on a consistent basis? So it's taking those kinds of things into mind, and it's also trying to... Um, Teach your clients the importance of consistency. Like, you're not doing them any... I'm not doing them any favors by being nice. Like, I'm not helping them reach their goals, and I'm not helping them be consistent by being so lenient.
1: Yeah, you should be more of a bitch. Well... Be, be, be yeah. more be more bitchy.
0: Which which isn't my style. Remember, give me 20. Oh, well, I remember the, the few times I tell you that I just get angry, and then you're like, well... People don't know that side of you, so you can't do that, <laughs> or it just comes out of context so people don't uh, understand. I guess, and it's just it's not my style. So it's I have to I have to be well, firm, you, but I very much like to be professional is the big thing.
1: Yeah, I, I, there's something to be said for consistency in your approach um, at all times. You should be professional, but yeah. Um, If you just happen to be the sort who's always, I don't know, being kind of the hard ass and that's and that's your style and that doesn't have to be unprofessional, um, then that's what people expect. But when people expect, um, you know, you to be like sunshine and rainbows all the time and then all of a sudden you're like, then um, that might get misconstrued. Um, or even properly construed because, you know, we all have our off days and, um, sometimes we're, we're off, we're off the ball and, um, we kind of let those true colors show through and, and we, and we wear our feelings on our sleeve and we kind of take that out on the clients and that's never a good thing to do. Never a proper thing to do. Um, and it's not like they don't see that. Yeah. So even though you might think it's just like, oh, well. Sully does this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna act like that. It it might be taken the wrong way.
0: Yeah, especially when they expect one of us to be one way and then the other person to be the other way. That's
1: not how we do. We don't do a good cop back
0: cop. No, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say that we have different personalities. So if I'm trying to approach something the way you do it, it doesn't necessarily work because that's not what I'm known for. But at the same time, I think people know that I'm. Overly nice, so people tried to take advantage of it. And that's kind of where I was mad at myself. I had dug myself a little bit of a hole by the sense of always being lenient. So it's kind of like, oh, it's okay. Rachel won't care. I'm just going to cancel. And no, I do care. I do care. It irritates me. Um, I'm here to make people reach their goals. And when you're the roadblock to reaching your goals, I get frustrated. Like I come in. I think we expect that
1: to some degree though, that they are usually the, the individual is often their own worst enemy when it comes yes. to reaching their goals.
0: Well, and it's like, we've had this conversation before where my biggest pet peeve is not trying like, if someone comes in and just tries, I love them to death. But if you don't want to try, that's when I get angry. And so just kind of like half ass showing up and giving me lame excuses, that's going on the not trying side, and that's when I start getting mad. Um, we are going a little off topic, I think. <laughs> but um, to just to build on that,
1: there I think it should be said that there's an expectation from the trainer to ensure that the individuals feel like they can relax and be themselves and let and let themselves flourish in the environment that you're creating because if you're not creating an environment that they want to be they want to be in then yeah they're going to show up and not really be all that into it or they'll show up late or whatever so you still need to create the culture where they want to come and they're enthusiastic about coming and, and that's going to help them with their consistency. Mm-hmm. You have to be the other side of that coin. Um, it might not necessarily be on paper, a, 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 you know, a explicit part of, your, um, of the expectations of the trainer um, when it comes to the group class setting because when it comes to group classes, I'm very much of the opinion that um, it's fast food fitness. You know, they're paying to show up and you know, run around and do stuff and burn some calories. And, uh, you know, if they want to take away more from it, then that's a, that's an individual basis, but there's no expectation to get anything else special from that other than show up, get some work done and burn some calories and whatever. But um, that's where I think the mediocre trainers are separated by the great trainers and that the great trainers will go a little bit, you know, that extra distance and spend a little bit more time with the individual. But it's that it's that two way street. If they if we're not getting from you that you want to, um, Keep moving forward in your development, then we're not going to give you that extra little nudge or spend that extra time with you because, especially if we care about it, it it takes a lot of energy to give you that extra attention. Um, and to, and to pay that extra attention to all those little things that we think that if we help tweak, will help get you closer to your goals faster. Um, if you're just not into it, then we're not going to be that into it, but it goes both ways. So yeah, let's get back onto the topic. So with the cancellations, it's really important that you establish a cancellation policy in the initial intake process with each and every client, um, that, In a perfect world, that will be reviewed verbally as well as contractually. So it should definitely be in the contract. But if you can run through that verbally with the individual in a face-to-face setting, that is ideal. But it should be included in the contract. It should also be obvious. It shouldn't be the fine print. It should be there as um, client expectations.
0: We actually put it right underneath where they sign so that you can see it. So like when they're signing and dating their consent form, right underneath it, it says we do have a 24-hour cancellation fee or policy. Um, but it, not only that, um, revising it, because even though we have it on our, our paper, so one of my solutions was, was I spoke to every individual client that I have and rehashed remind reminded them about the 24 hour cancellation. And um, then I also sent out a, a mass email and just said, this is a gentle reminder. Um, and then I said, like of course there's an exception to every rule, but the main point is is that we do hold a 24 hour cancellation policy and it goes to all our services so whether you're in private training or whether you're in group training it still upholds
1: um i think this is why also they came up with the whole the doctor's note thing is that and this goes both ways in that you might just say know you're going to pay to every client, or you might just be nice to every client and, and kind of brush it off and let them get away with it. But by upholding a standard of, you know, if you're sick, if you're legitimately sick and you can't come in, you need to give me a doctor's note. And that will be my criteria for letting you off the hook for this session. Um, otherwise you might get into that habit. If you're like Rachel, of just always kind of, going ah don't
0: worry about it well like usually it's like oh okay let's reschedule um oh rescheduling is important yeah but i think the rescheduling within the within a certain time frame is also important
1: yeah like within the week ideally. yeah
0: not and, oh we'll just skip it and go to well, next week here's That's not your, rescheduling. here's your
1: problem with that and i want you all to listen very closely to what i'm about to say this job is a very tough job it's nice to work at home. Don't get me wrong, and it's nice to have a job where um, my job, my work attire is literally loungewear. But um, one of the many caveats is that uh, the hours that you're working suck balls. You are usually going to work first thing in the morning and last thing at the end of the day. Maybe if you're lucky, you can make it a full day and really make it worth your while and and throw some clients in the middle of the day. But usually you're working split shifts every single day. Um, And that's not great uh, because essentially what you're
0: doing is you're working 14-hour days. You're working before and after everyone else's work schedule is what you're working.
1: So the problem there is that you need off days. You need days dedicated to... um, where you're you are not obligated to um, stress yourself out in such a long window of time. Now, if you're rescheduling with someone and you're like, "Oh well, shit, I got plenty of time on my off day," don't do that. I'm done for that. Do not break the rule of the rest day of the off day. It's there for a reason. It's it's and this is something that I've spoken about at length with Rachel. Is that. If you are burnt out and, and you're just getting run down, it's going to affect the way that you treat other people. Okay? is that? Ask yourself, is that the service that you want to provide? Do you want to be irritable and tired all the time and just provide a shitty service to your customers because of that? No, you don't. So don't compromise that by scheduling in people on the day that you need to deliver them the best service possible on the days that you are working. Um, I, it should be noted that it's not a bad idea as well for that cancellation policy and the expectations of the client to be included on a sheet all of its own as a handout so that it's a quick reference that they can even put on their fridge so that they're always aware of what
0: their expectations are. Um, the other thing about scheduling to take into consideration is... Um, try to block your clients together. Um, one of the, at least I feel like, if I have a client, I'm just going to randomly throw at times. If I have a client at nine, then I have a client at 1030, and then I have a client at 12, and then I have a client at two, and then I've got a client at six. There's a lot of breaks in there, but It's stop, go, stop, go, stop, go, change your mindset. To me, and maybe some people function differently, I find that a waste of time. If I want to be in training mode, I want to be in training mode. So I would rather work 9, 10, and 11, take a break, go into the office and work till 4, and then get back into training mode and work 5, 6, and 7. Then I can focus on my clients, and then I can focus on my office work, and then come back and focus on my clients, where if I'm trained this person, oh, I'm going to sit down. I spend my time eating, and then I don't get anything done, and I've done a, a whole whack of hours and not done anything. So I like to really like block my appointments together, and and that's a, that's a preference. Some people might not care for that, but...
1: Well, I think you might be running into the mistake of um, conflating uh, working in the business as being um, always less important than working on the business. And that's simply not true. Um, Just because you're you just said you feel like you got nothing done, even though you worked you know, all the necessary hours for your clients to bring in money into your business. Yeah, that's true. Right. You Do do not make the mistake of undervaluing your customers.
0: And the time that you spend with them.
1: I I think something, you know, important realization that um, I had as I was coming into this business uh, as a sole proprietor was that, um I, I I thought it was important to always take a step back and remember. I think this I, I started doing this because sometimes you get those clients who they're not bad, but you're like I could live without you in my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way. <laughs> um but it's good to step back and just remember that, you know, this person, um, even though we might not click they're paying my bills. They're keeping a roof over my head that they're putting food in my stomach.
0: Well, and and I think that is part of my, why I like to like chunk my training together. Um, I like to be in that mindset where I'm focusing on my clients. There's nothing that's distracted me. Where I find if I'm coming and going, let's say I had that half an hour in between, I might have quickly just checked emails just to make sure that no one canceled later on in the day or whatever it is that I checked. But then that email distracts me during my next training session. That's what I don't like. Um, I would rather just focus on my clients and not even know about that email. Um, it's, It's one of the reasons that... I've really had to teach my clients like the reason I'm not answering my emails or my text messages is because I'm focusing on the people I'm with. If I was spending that hour with you, you would be upset if I was answering my emails or my text messages. So have the same respect that if I I only say this because I've gone through where within one hour someone has messaged me five to six times through one mode and then they they switch to a different mode because they think, oh, she might answer her her text messages instead of her emails. Clients need to also understand that they are not the only client. And if I'm going to create that respect for them within their hour, I'm going to create the same respect for the next client. And so I also usually have that conversation with clients. I might take a couple hours to get back to you because I need to focus on the clients in the gym.
1: So, well, emails is a completely different conversation. We won't get into that, but are you, um, are you saying that this should be included in client expectations?
0: Um, I think clients should be aware. how, How
1: would you, so how would you deliver that concept?
0: I, I explain it to them in the training session. Like if it's someone who particularly has texted me like five times and then they they said, um, they emailed me and they're like, you're not getting back to me. Or even they say it in their text you aren't getting back to me. I, I say to them, look, there's a reason I'm not getting back to you. I'm busy training clients and I need to respect my clients. I don't take my phone into the gym. Like now that I work from home, my phone is in there because it plays music, but I don't look at it. It, it is not there for me. Um, when I used to work at the Pilates studio, my phone stayed in my purse. It was not there for me to answer, because I'm focused on the clients that I work with. I don't like I've even had someone say to me, "Oh, I would really love it if you started posting about your clients um, that you train." I understand that, and I think it would be great. But my policy is, is that my phone is not in the gym with my clients. Out of respect for them, my focus is on them not taking Instagram photos. So it's, it's just one of my own personal rules.
1: I would say it's probably worth going over that before you start any sessions.
0: Yeah, no, and that's fair enough. Like um, You have to
1: lay the ground, ground rules.
0: rules. Um, Set the boundaries first before they're broken.
1: Yeah, you'll you'll make mistakes and you'll learn these things as you go. But once you do learn them, implement them first with all the new clients. Nip it in the bud. Okay, so let's get back to our meeting.
0: Okay, where where do you want to focus on? Uh, well, what else have you got? Um. So, well, we actually started uh, discussing. Because of the low hours, should we be focusing on marketing, drawing in new clients? Well, you should
1: always be focusing on
0: marketing. Yes. Yeah. Um, And how do we go about it? And like we had the discussion about how our clients are our best referral source. Like we need our clients to go out and speak for us. So trying to create incentives to encourage our clients to provide referrals was part of the conversation. Um, And then we also talked about, and Sully already brought this up, working on the business versus working in the business. And um, I think that's a little bit of a challenging concept for me right now um, in the sense of prioritizing because I make my programming priority number one. Um, well, there are certain things that
1: only you can do, like only you can do the kinesiology stuff. Now you have hired an individual. And so in that way, you have decided to allocate hours to someone else to do a job that you would otherwise have done. Why did you hire that individual?
0: Um, just a lot of people were coming to me for personal training. Um, I want to focus on Pilates, secondary, but first kinesiology in the sense I want to help people improve their injuries. But at the same time, I do want people to continue exercising. So I want to be able to pass those clients in. So if a physiotherapist sends me a client, I work with them for eight to 12 weeks. We give them the okay, they move on to the personal trainer. Well, now I have a personal trainer that I can source to. I have two. I can send to Sully or I can send to the person who works for me, and I've got those options. And then I'm also going to pick who's most compatible with that person.
1: So if you could sum up the reason for passing off those clients to someone else, what would that reason be if you could
0: sum that up in two words or less? Time. That's it? Time and... Um, okay,
1: well, what if they're a kinesiology client?
0: Well, then no, I, wouldn't, I would keep them to myself because...
1: So it's more than just time.
0: And um, the type of service, I guess, would be the... I'm trying to say it in two words. You said two words. <laughs> um, I guess the type of service, because the only service that they can go to that person for is personal training, they can't go to them. So, for- but, but,
1: so it's it time that you don't want to spend on that service. Yeah. I guess. Um, so th- th- there there, it could be said there's about three reasons for outsourcing jobs or delegating jobs to employees. Um, the first being time. So you just don't have the time to do it or you're not willing to give the time for that uh, thing, um, or you've kind of weighed the cost benefit and you've decided that it would be more worth your time to spend doing one thing versus this thing. The next reason would be knowledge or skills. So let's say we're coming back to that marketing thing. Do you necessarily have the knowledge base or the, um, uh, the digital based or social media based skills to, um, execute a, a well-crafted, well-strategized marketing campaign? Um, chances are are you probably do one or the other better. So you're better suited to doing that thing. So for me, it's going to be a better use of my time to be training, especially if your business relies a lot on your reputation. So you're, you're trying to capitalize on your reputation, right? That's how you're bringing people in. So to then spend some of your time working on something that doesn't build um, that. that, that doesn't, um, hinge on your reputation and it's and uh it's strictly just kind of busy work for you i i feel like is not um you're not capitalizing on that on that selling point that you have it's 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 almost like you're uh, um you're doing the opposite of what you're trying to do you know part of your marketing is selling yourself but then if you're spending time doing stuff where you can't sell yourself to people or you can't you know offer people that service that they want, then I think I'm talking in circles here. Um, so the third point would be desire or stress. So either you just don't want to do it or to do it would cause you such stress that it's not worth doing in the first place. So those three reasons, again, time, second one's knowledge or skills. And the third would be desire or stress. Those would be sufficient reasons to outsource or delegate a job to someone else.
0: So then I just want to kind of continue on this topic. Um, And then we talked about this a bit during our meeting. Between like Sully and I have been doing a lot of reading, listening to various podcasts. Part of my internal debate is... um, these people are coming here for me. Um, They usually, when they walk in the door, they say, um, oh, I was told I need to work with Rachel uh, for this reason or that reason. And um, so now I'm having a little bit of an internal battle of really, should I be passing on those clients? Um, And a little bit of... Maybe I need to focus more on providing a good service. If that's what I'm known for and that is why people are coming here, then I need to uphold that and keep doing that. And the only way I can do that is by doing it personally. Um, I do hold my staff up to a certain expectation um, and try to share those ground rules But in the long run, um, right now, because we're so small, I feel like I'm running in circles and always coming to the same conclusion that I've just got to dig my heels in and work and work hard until this thing gets bigger. And that's when I can really think about delegating. I'm not there yet. And I tried to, again, um, take too big of a bite And try to pass tasks on when I'm not big enough for it yet. Where it would be better for me to just take on the workload and try to kind of plow forward than to try to pass it off. Um, Or, and I think I also need to work on um, helping build my staff so that they are good enough to fill my shoes so that my clients feel, um, good enough for them to train with them. Um, I think for, if, if you are a personal trainer and you really want to grow your brand, one of the best things you can do is one constantly offer to help your employer. Um, but not only that, Try to show them how you would help them. So if they say that they're fine and that they can do everything on their own, just have your have yourself around, like whether it's participating in classes um, or w- when you're done participating in classes, just start cleaning up when if you show up early um There's maybe a new person. Just jump on it. Uh, Go up to that new person, introduce themselves, get them to fill out paperwork, uh, tell them what they could be doing while they wait for the class to start, those kinds of things. Um, Just to really know, let your employer know that you want the work. Um, When we were having this meeting yesterday, I started to reflect on what did I first do at my jobs that really made my employers take me under their wing because that was the thing. I At all the gyms that I've worked at, I've always been given the confidence by my employers that they think I can take on larger and bigger tasks. Um, and I think it was just the fact that I constantly showed effort. I constantly tried to have my face in the vicinity, I was participating in classes, getting to know clients, on a on a staff level as well as a customer level, and um, that really showed my employers that they wanted me around. So if you're not around, no one knows you exist. That you're just gonna you're gonna become a wallflower.
1: Now, even though you may be that great that the boss recognizes you. And you may be so amazing that everyone loves you and they think you're a great person and you're a great trainer enough that you get a little more added responsibility. Let's say that your gym decides, oh, there's an opening. Would you like to be the general director of training or whatever fancy title they give to someone who's managing all the other trainers? My advice is... It would be silly for you to be so um, inflated in your head to think that you should try, try to reinvent the wheel and do everything from scratch. Try to work from the legwork that's already been laid out before you. If there are templates or resources for someone in that position that you might choose to take on that would help you do that position better take advantage of those resources and learn how to do that job as well as possible instead of just jumping in and thinking that well i must be good enough to um, handle all this myself and figure it all out for for myself that may very well be true but it's gonna be a bumpy ride so do do your due diligence and, uh, and, and take the extra steps to go through those resources and figure out how to do that job better. And I think one important thing to remember is that trying to do everything yourself is probably not the best use of your time at the end of the day. You have certain things that you do well and certain things that can be delegated to other people. Um. There are uh, some of the resources that I have recommend having maybe a little bit of a rule in terms of like when to outsource or it's, I would say it's probably good to have a checklist um, to go through to help you determine what jobs you should um, push aside to other people. And so one little rule is the 70% rule. And basically that is, uh, you know, if an employee that you have can do a task at least 70% as well as you can then delegate it to that person. Let them do it. Uh, now, um, if you're not sure how, uh, let's say, let's let's give you a hypothetical here because this is something that you will um, probably ask yourself at some point in time, which is, should I hire a bookkeeper or an accountant or someone to help manage administrative duties? Um for me, but you're not really sure um, whether you should or not. And so it's probably not a bad idea to write down the numbers and figures and and kind of figure it out that way. So how it works is if you need someone for admin, why don't you find someone who's, you know, measurably um, competent enough to do the job? But then that, you know, then we could go over the topic of um, instructing the person properly how to do that job, outlaying clearly what their objectives are and their expectations are, et cetera, et cetera. But let's say all that legwork's been done.
0: One one thing you want to watch is that you're not doubling your work. So in the sense you didn't hire someone to do it, but then you have to go and do it again by like double checking their work or anything.
1: Well, you you should be double-checking their work anyways. It's That's called proofing.
0: Yes, to a certain extent, but you don't want to be spending all your time double-checking It's going to take correcting. a lot less
1: time to proof it and tell someone what the mistakes to fix are yes, than, than to do yourself. the whole damn thing yourself. Yeah, That's the whole reason for delegating. Um, basically, it's worth your time to fix that 30% with them, and you're not fixing it. You're just telling them what needs to be fixed. Change this, this, and that. And then they go back and correct it. And they can it. go back and do it and that's perfect. And then you can rest assured that it's being done. There will always be an approval process. Anyways, back to the point at hand. If you're making $35 an hour, whatever you're making at a fitness club that you're working at, and you need someone to do administrative duties, uh, or whatever, um, find someone who you can pay, for example, $10 an hour, or whatever a suitable kind of minimum wage would be for just, you know, maybe someone who's going through university or something who needs a little extra cash or something like that. Pay them $10 an hour. So now you're making $25 on the hour and you're free from that unwanted task. And being free from the unwanted task and knowing that it's done, it's just like a MasterCard commercial. That's priceless. That is priceless. And at $10 an hour, it's even better. So that is kind of the the stripped-down, obvious way that you would go about delegating or outsourcing a job to someone else. If it's just coming down to numbers and figures, put that down on paper and do the math. And if it's worth it to you, go ahead and do it. Um, Now... When there are certain expectations, now coming back around to that, presuming they can do everything right and they're going to do the job right, that's something that is your responsibility to make sure that you're clearly defining what the criteria are and what their expectations are. And um, it would really help if you design some form of system or training materials to get those people up to speed quickly beforehand as opposed to trying to fix all the mistakes afterwards. If you're keen on maybe doing some outsourcing in the future, make sure you have some uh, 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 resources that you've created that show exactly how you want those things done and what your um, criteria are um, and what your standards are. what your expectations expectations are, the standards you want to uphold and just make sure that those objectives are stated clearly. And here's the thing, and I think this might even be something good to leave off on, is that what you think is clear might not actually be all that clear. When we say state the objectives clearly, it's got to be dumbed down to the lowest common denominator. Basically, if you're a details-oriented person and that's who you want working for you, ask yourself, how would you like the instructions or criteria or expectations um, laid out for you? You would probably want them as meticulous as possible right down to the very last detail. So do your uh, employees a favor, a favor and do the same thing for them. Um, it might take a little extra work at the beginning, but hopefully it'll save you a headache in the end, especially if... If there happens to be a scenario where maybe you need to go away on vacation. And so that, that would be actually a example of a reason to delegate, um, that I didn't specifically address is that from time to time you will go away and you'll, um, hopefully have someone who can step in to continue to bring that money into the business, uh, even though you're away and do those hours for you and keep your clients happy. But, um, If you don't clearly define what the expectations are for them, then there's only so much you can do while you're gone. Plus, you don't want to have to be fixing mistakes while you're away, Um, especially if that's time that you're taking away specifically to de-stress and stuff like that. So make it crystal clear. Put it in writing. Make sure they got a copy. And make sure that you verbally discussed it and that they have verbally expressed to you, yes, I understand clearly. Do you have any questions? No, I do actually, not. Actually, that,
0: that's actually a really good idea is if, um, if you do lay out instructions in your instructions, say, please ask me questions. And I'm just thinking about this for myself. Um, follow up two days later. Do you have any questions? Because the last thing you want to do is put some put it into someone else's hands and then be in a situation where you can't help them. Like if you're away on a holiday over the weekend and you can't get back to your gym because you're five hours away, the, you want to be able to make sure that you're as prepared for as possible. Or the person is as prepared as possible. So um, that being said make
1: sure you create a list of contingencies create a contingency plan as well you know do the work beforehand be proactive and um, try to figure out what the you know foreseen problems could be and address those so i think that that covered a lot of ground i think we kind of zigzagged and meandered a lot there and and maybe didn't stay true to a specific um topic, topic per se But uh, I think we threw enough in there that uh, hopefully it'll take something positive away from that. Again, if you have any questions or even if you have any uh, advice for us, please feel free to contact me, Sully at BallisticStrength.ca and Rachel at Info at Um, We appreciate uh, very much for you listening to the podcast. Um, Make sure you like and subscribe and uh, we will catch you guys on the next episode. Yo